The University of New England is embarking on a bold new mission to transform the university's decommissioned boiler house into a purpose-built discovery space. Here, on Curiosity Built the Boiler House, we'll follow the transformation of this 1950s industrial building into a regional science-themed play space. Along the way, we'll also chat with leading experts in education, play space design, and all things STEAM about what makes for an incredible discovery space experience. I'm Dr. James O'Hanlon, and for this episode, I chatted with Rebecca Collins, the manager of Spark Lab Science Centre at the Queensland Museum. When you come in here, you're going to be curious and play. You're going to ask lots of questions, test out your ideas, make observations and think and talk. All of the while you're playing and engaging with hands-on exhibits that have lots of different options and variables that you can choose. Spark Lab is an interactive science centre within the Queensland Museum in Brisbane that opened its doors in 2018. It's an open space with self-directed experiences, a hands-on science bar for interactive science, and an enormous global data projector called Science on the Sphere. Spark Lab, when you arrive to the entrance, you are presented with that inquiry process and be a scientist, and that's to set your intention. But as you then walk through into the first zone, you are struck by this very large 1.8 metre science on a sphere, and it's suspended from the ceiling. Um, this is a product out of the United States um, from NOAA, the National Oceanic Atmospheric um, Administration, and they use it as an education tool. Um, and we, it sort of pulls up real-time data, it pulls up satellite data, modelling, ground-based instrument data, all this type of thing, and you can explore our dynamic and changing Earth, but we can also take you out to planets in the solar system, the sun, the moons of Jupiter, lots of different sorts of data sets. So they're presented onto the sphere on all all sides. There's four different projectors. And either the staff or the visitors can make choices about what data sets they want to explore. There's over 570 data sets, so there's we haven't even explored them all at all. <laughs> we do have other programs as well, such as a makerspace, and that's really about developing those design thinking skills um, centred around a key challenge that's really open-ended and asking our visitors to go through that process of you know, thinking of some design solutions, making a prototype, testing that out, and then depending on what you observe is happening as you test it out, making improvements on your design. I do, now in hindsight, I do have an exhibit that I love a lot, which is flight test. Uh, flight test is just a, a giant wind, um, I suppose, table, you know, with a large column of air that you can choose the speed of the air by turning a dial. And we provide visitors with just flat pieces of paper. We don't provide any other um, material. There's no scissors, glue, tape. Um, and the, the concept there is when you put that paper into that um, column of air, look at how it moves and uh, in that column of air. And then what might happen if you make a change? What might happen if you tear it, fold it, scrunch it? Um, does it behave differently? Does it change if you put it in fast-moving air or slow? And when it starts off and people start engaging with that space on that particular exhibit, you can see just um, 
their ideas come to life and they really learn and collaborate with others. I'll see someone else's design, copy elements of it and um, take it away from there. So I do love that exhibit a lot. I mean, Spark Lab is an exhibition within Queensland Museum and in actual fact I think that makes it a richer experience. So visitors who are coming to Spark Lab can also in that same visit to the museum, they might go and explore Wild State, which is an exhibition about how Queensland has unique biodiversity. And they may be looking at bird wings up in Wild State and make that connection back to how that paper moved in flight tests. So I think in some ways um, Spark Lab being in the museum is a really positive thing for us. But I've worked on museum exhibitions um, as well, and that that thinking about who is the visitor, who is our target audience and how they may want to engage in this space and how they may want to learn in this space is really key and you have to be able to think about how you can provide that variety of, of experiences for your diverse learners. The Queensland Museum has had an interactive science centre for many years but an opportunity arose in 2017 to create an entirely new modern exhibition space. Thus, Spark Lab was born. I asked Rebecca how the idea for Spark Lab came to life and what inspired its development. Queensland Museum has had a science centre uh, for a number of years, um, actually opening in 1989, and that came on the back of a lot of science centres that were opening around the world um, that had been opening starting you know, from North America that idea of exploring natural phenomena by getting hands-on and doing. So I can turn a handle, push a button, I can, you know, go into a room, I can sit in a seat, I can do all these things. And as I'm being an active participant, I'm discovering the world around um, around me, I suppose. And so the Science Centre had been an integral part of Queensland Museum's science programming for many years um, and then we had an opportunity in 2017 to actually redevelop the Science Centre and, more importantly, extend that reach to our other museums. So, as I mentioned very briefly before, uh, we are a network and so we have museums in some of our regional centres in Queensland, Ipswich, Toowoomba and Townsville. And so we wanted to take this opportunity to redevelop the Science Centre at Queensland Museum in Brisbane, but also see if we could leverage off that project to create interactive science experiences or exhibitions in each of our other museum campuses. The idea here for us is for our target audience of children 6 to 13 to be in that role of being a scientist. And our old Science Centre was very much on exploring natural phenomena but we were looking at those trends that were happening around the world and realising that um, we actually needed to focus more on those skills, that idea of um, you can have that confidence to go down that science inquiry path of testing out your ideas and asking questions, um, making observations, as I was mentioning before, um, to build that confidence, to build that persistence and resilience and having a go and also to think about ways to creatively solve challenges or problems. So we were thinking, um, and what we were seeing is that these are the skills that this generation will need, you know, in the future in terms of jobs and solving those bigger challenges. So how can we create an interactive science exhibition that actually supports our 
young people today in for in the future. My background is in primary education and I've worked in science centres for over 20 years um, at Queensland in the Queensland Museum space and I was one of two lead uh, curators, if you want to use that term, in developing Spark Lab. So I have picked everything from, you know, the vision statement and the, the strategic objectives down to taps and colours. So I, my thing is more about when you I, I put a lot of effort and time and passion into this project and to see families and school students in that space uh, really testing out their ideas and being animated and excited about their own investigations. I absolutely love that. For us with Spark Lab, we knew we were targeting 6 to 13-year-olds and their adult carers, and we knew we wanted to look at where we had been playing in the space in the Science Centre, what was happening around the world, what was happening in education and where we should head. So our first thing was actually to step back as an organisation and really discuss what is STEM and what does an effective STEM program look like. So we were looking at, and, you know, a lot of people go, oh, well, STEM, science, technology, engineering and maths. And you go, okay, well, that's what the letters mean, but what is a STEM experience? And so as an organisation, that's where we started and we really started with the, uh, a range of statements that were I-based statements, as if it was the learner um, speaking. And so once we had established that criteria for an effective STEM space, then we started looking at what are the behaviours that we want the visitor to be able to explore in this space. And then if we start looking at exhibits, which of these exhibits actually meet our brief? So we sort of, we, the exhibits came last the, the content came last. We actually started with the visitor and the learner and that sense of a STEM experience and their behaviours and skills. And then from there, we were able to go, well, actually, these exhibits best enable visitors to engage in these behaviours, whereas these ones do not. Science centres like Spark Lab take on the challenge of making complex scientific topics accessible to the general public. I asked Rebecca whether it was important for a place like Spark Lab to make sure people walk away from exhibits with a clear understanding of these complex topics. I'd almost, I would almost say it doesn't matter, but that's not entirely true. I think it, you've sort of got to, first of all, um, explore what your understanding of lifelong learning is. So we are engaged in learning of every minute of every day and we know in science centres, people come into, or science exhibitions, they come into our spaces and they might be there for an hour or two hours and then they leave and we're a small part of their lifelong learning journey. But everybody, you know, everything we do every day, we, we're connecting back to either our prior experiences or our prior knowledge. So even that child who's coming in and playing with the flight test exhibit and putting paper into columns of air, they it's highly unlikely they're walking out with this, I understand what aerodynamics is and I understand about, you know, fast and slow moving air, but they will connect that experience either now or in the future with 
other new experiences or things that they explore and discover. And so that's that part of that lifelong learning journey. So for me, what I'm looking for is for kids uh, to be developing those skills. I want to see confidence in asking questions. I want to see persistence and having a go at something, testing it out, changing it, seeing what happens when they make that change. I want to see enjoyment. I want to see enthusiasm and motivation. I want to see lots of talking, talking about what they're doing, talking about something that this reminds them of, talking about what the science might be. So that's that's what I'm more interested in rather than um, doing a vox pop at the end, tell me what science concepts you learned. I certainly think that um, there's a decision maker in whether it's in the classroom or the home that's made that decision to come to Spark Lab. Uh, that could be the child. It could be the parent because they know that child is either engaged in science or they know that um, as an adult they value science and they want their child to be engaged in that. We um, we definitely do some survey data and when um, people select their reason for visiting, yes, they do select a fun day out with their family, but they also select things like engaging in STEM and, you know, just developing their understanding of science. So these are things that people are identifying as reasons for coming to Spark Lab. But I often think that when families um, and school groups come, the adults think that this is for the children and so they're going to play either a passive role in the background or they're going to be there to support and facilitate. But we often see, um, you know, sometime during that visit, the adults happily engaging by themselves or as a family, as an active learner, as much as the child is. Um, so that, And that's something that all interactive science exhibitions would see um, adults being very active in those spaces, even though they thought it was just for children. As well as being a resource for the general public, Spark Lab works hard to support teachers and their students. This includes hosting school groups for excursions into Spark Lab, but also through developing a range of curriculum-linked activities and support materials. So part of our role is to actually show how Spark Lab supports the teaching uh, of the Australian curriculum and where we can we provide curriculum links and teacher resources and teacher kits. But I think it's really important for teachers to see um, that, particularly if I, if I was to aim it at teaching science, teaching science is not necessarily um, all about the content that you know. And I, I, I still believe that there's a number of particularly primary teachers out there who are concerned about not knowing enough content. And part of when they come to Spark Lab, not only can they develop their understanding of science, but I think they can see that science is a way of, um, uh, I suppose, doing and knowing. And it's not about them having to have always the right answer. You can go on that journey together with your students and you can look at a great question and test out those ideas and do that research and make observations and develop your understanding together. So hopefully we can provide that space where teachers can feel that um, they're comfortable bringing students and they feel that there's something that they can take away from that, both for themselves and for the students. Having built a brand new science centre from scratch, 
And now seeing it come to life over the past two years, I was keen to ask Rebecca what she thinks makes for a great science experience. It was nice to hear that, while fancy exhibits and interactives are useful, it's the people that really matter. First of all, you design exhibits that have that are very open-ended. So you want to have exhibits that visitors have lots of choice and that there's lots of variables. And so the more the more you can design that into the exhibit in the beginning, the better it is. But the reality is an exhibit is fixed and what isn't fixed is the visitor. The visitor is new and different. And so really effective staff in your interactive science exhibition They're there to connect with those visitors, to build relationships, to have conversations and to tap into where that visitor is at. Um, So what might be their interests? What might be a great question to extend their thinking? What might be a challenge that might get them to stop and reconsider something? And so that's where the change comes. It's for me, it's, um, it was a really big change for us in Spark Lab to have a completely different staffing model and to go down the path of engaging learning officers and people with science or education or science communication background and because they need to be very nimble to respond to those people in front of them. All of the team develop programs, all of them develop extensions, all of them deliver programs and then they need to and they do respond to the audience who's in front of them. Like many interactive science centres across the country, last year, Spark Lab and the Queensland Museum had to close their doors for a short period with the onset of COVID lockdown procedures. This didn't stop Spark Lab from doing what they do best, though, and they were soon up and running again with new content and modified experiences. Yeah, look, certainly like every museum, we closed and we had to really reimagine... Um, How are we going to engage people in an interactive space where we need to have social distancing and we want to provide a safe and enjoyable experience? Um, We have reopened. We opened at the end of June, but that was done after a lot of, um, I suppose, review of our practices and our exhibits. And we reviewed each exhibit and there were five exhibits that I did decide to turn off and remove from the space because I deem their risk to be too high. Um, But we've sort of opened in a way where we're thinking about smaller numbers, more intimate experiences, and we have a vast amount of time devoted to cleaning. So at the moment when we open, we have three different sessions a day, three lots of 1.5 hours, and we only take between 60 to 80 visitors, whereas in the past we might have had 250 visitors. So by doing that, we can create that safe and accessible space and we have a gap of time between each session so that we can do cleaning. All of our loose parts of our exhibits are in sets so they can all go off and a whole new set can come on. Um, And the staff have modified how they deliver the science bar programs and the makerspace program to reduce risks in those space. Our museum took the decision to... Um, create a museum at home portal and that included anything from podcasts to scientists talking um, about you know their research or collections and certainly that included programs from spark lab but we actually didn't um, deviate from our mission 
So on our website, we have on the Museum at Home website, we did a number of YouTube videos where we were setting up either a design challenge or an inquiry investigation um, that visitors could do at home. So an example is um, one, one of our makerspace design challenges was to create a device that could safely transport a person or object along a zip line. And so we set that up as a YouTube video where we focused on the design process, we looked at some possible materials, we gave some examples of how you might set this up at home. And so this is a design challenge where you can just do in your home or backyard so it's still fitting within that learning philosophy of Spark Lab, um, but provided an opportunity for people to engage with us when they couldn't physically come into our centre. It would be easy to think that social distancing and the enhanced scrutiny of hygiene practices would detract from science centre experiences. I asked Rebecca whether there were some positives to come from this experience and whether there were lessons learned that will be taken forward into the future of Spark Lab. I mean, there were some really great opportunities. Uh, my team are largely on the floor, and so it's very hard to have team meetings. It's uh, very hard to get us all together to discuss some professional reading. So one of the things that we did grab with both hands during shutdown was to have more collaborative um, team sessions, and we would have a weekly professional reading group and things like that. Um, and it was also wonderful that lots of organisations were moving their professional development into online webinars. So this, again, was an opportunity for my team who often don't get to some of those um, types of professional development experiences to tap into that. And uh, that that's something that I think um, we're, we're really trying hard to keep some of that going now that we're all back into the public space. My aim with Spark Lab is to continually grow our resources and in some ways, I was going to say open source, but it's not, um, you know, web or coding or anything like that. Every time we do a makerspace program, at the end of that program, we create a downloadable resource that goes onto our website with the idea that families, teachers could take that resource, modify that program to suit their needs and run that in their classroom or home. And so the plan is over time to just keep building up that resource bank so that the Spark Lab website is a bit of a STEM hub for people who want to connect there. So the opportunity to create those online videos, as much as initially there was a bit of pressure about, wow, we've got to create all this, uh, these new resources, it actually has been really positive and it enabled us to create our templates for how to do those. We did our first blog post. We did our first photo story. So now we've got a suite of templates that makes it much easier for my team to start to conceive how they could create more online content. I mean, there were some really great opportunities. Uh, my team are largely on the floor, and so it's very hard to have team meetings. It's uh, very hard to get us all together to discuss some professional reading. So one of the things that we did grab with both hands during shutdown was to have more collaborative um, team sessions and we would have a weekly professional reading group and things like that. Um, and it was also wonderful that lots of organisations were moving their professional development into online webinars. So this, again, was an opportunity for my team who 
often don't get to some of those um, types of professional development experiences to tap into that. And uh, that that's something that I think um, we're, we're really trying hard to keep some of that going now that we're all back into the public space. I think we do have we do have challenges about rethinking our programming model because our programming model was very hands-on and um, sort of uh, particularly at the science bar, or I used to describe it as an intimate experience where you'd be sort of clustered around our big sort of experimental bench and everyone's getting hands-on. And so we do need to rethink about how we can offer that same feeling and that same because you want you want to visit at a walk away feeling like my questions mattered my questions had value i had good ideas i was able to test things out you know i got hands on i can do this these are all the sorts of feelings you want um, a child who's engaged at the science bar for example to take away and so if you remove some of those experiences how can you still make that feeling persists. And so some, you know, we, we look at different strategies. Some of it is about cleaning. Some of it is about having more resources so that everyone gets their own, you know, kit and then we can clean those. But other things, it's also about using new technologies. Like we've recently got ourselves a GoPro camera so that people can see what's happening without having to huddle as close. And we sometimes do whole body role play. So even though you mightn't be stirring honey in a jar, if you're role playing it, you know what that feels like, and you you know it actually feels like you're doing it. So we need to rethink um, and think about a whole new bunch of strategies so that our visitors still have that same experience that we're hoping they have when they come and engage with us. To learn more about SparkLab, visit their website, sparklab.qm.qld.gov.au or follow the Queensland Museum on social media at QLD Museum. This podcast is recorded on Anaiwan Country and has been brought to you by the University of New England. To find out more about the Boiler House Discovery Space, visit unebolerhouse.org.au. Thanks for listening. We'll see you here next time on Curiosity Built the Boiler House. Boiler House.